I stand for climate and gender justice in the Caribbean. Welcome to the Climate Conscious Podcast. I'm your host, Paula Joseph, and today we're joined by Dr. Angelique Nixon for the Truth Be Told campaign. Hello, my name is Angelique Nixon. I am a director of CAISO, Sex and Gender Justice. We are a feminist LGBTQI plus civil society organization in Trinidad and Tobago. And we work to advance LGBT rights, uh, freedom and protection. Uh, We do that through intersectional analysis, alliance building, and advocacy. How would you describe the intersection of climate change and gender justice in the Caribbean? I would describe that intersection as one that's crucial, but also misunderstood and too often invisible. Climate change affects all of us, but it affects us differently. Uh, Part of that has to do with our socially constructed gender roles and responsibilities. Uh, It also has to do with class and geographic location, Uh, but in particular social and economic class status. uh, And, you know, it's really important for us to understand when we think about that intersection between climate and gender justice, that what we're calling for what we really need uh, is much more attention to the ways that different communities are marginalized uh, because of gender, gender identity, sexuality, uh, migration status, ability, uh, and access to resources, information, and even decision-making. It's too often that in particular that uh, Caribbean people across the Caribbean, uh, depending on access to resources and information, may not be able to get, uh, for example, in the middle of a disaster or when we think about uh, the impacts of climate induced extreme weather and changes, uh, not all communities experience relief uh, and get information in the same way. Uh, One of the things that really strikes me about conversations about the climate crisis and climate catastrophe is this idea that it's a great equalizer, that, you know, it, it affects everyone the same. But it, in fact, doesn't because we have deep systemic Uh, differences, social uh, differences that then impact people's ability to uh, to recover or to uh, to 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 gain uh, access and resources in any kind of disaster moment. And so what we have is that climate change actually affects uh, people differently according to gender, sex, sexuality, ability, geographic location, migration, uh, and so on. And 
So that means that uh, women, gender, and sexual minorities experience systematic and systemic marginalization. And so women and LGBTQI plus people in particular are significantly more vulnerable, as well as poor and working class people, as well as people living with disabilities, as well as people without status, uh, are more vulnerable to climate change impacts and effects and during a climate induced extreme weather event or catastrophe and have fewer capacities to adapt. And that is what is really significant about paying attention to the intersection between climate justice and gender justice. It means that we need uh, particular kinds of policies. We also need to pay attention to those differences. Uh, I'll stop there because I have a lot more to say. <laughs> I realize I can go on. So I'm going to pause. I hope that was helpful. Yes, absolutely. What are some of the key policy actions you would like to see implemented? Some of the policies that I think we need enacted are gender sensitive and LGBTQI sensitive, as well as, you know, when we think about an intersectional approach to disaster preparedness, mitigation and adaptation when it comes to the climate crisis and any kind of climate change policy, it has to pay attention to people's different needs, uh, especially when we think about access to resources, access to information, uh, particularly when there are issues of displacement. So I think that our policies need to be gender sensitive. They need to be, uh, they need to pay attention to people's differences and the needs that people have during any moment of disaster, of when we think about climate change policies, uh, particularly we need attention to sexual and reproductive health and rights. So that's something that having a gender lens or gender sensitive policy and having, having policies that are sensitive uh, to differences and to people's needs based on class, ability, gender and sexuality that allows there to be, a, you know, policies that are better attuned uh, and better able to manage moments of crisis. Right now, we don't have a lot of, we don't have any disaster uh, preparedness that really pays attention to differences. And so we need policies that have a clear intention to account uh, for people's needs. We need uh, policies that are, written and implemented uh, and have a, you know, a an implementation plan and a budget uh, that would include policies that are attentive to the needs of diverse people. So when we're thinking about the kinds of policies and changes that we need in our region, we have to understand that the most vulnerable or marginalized communities before a disaster or before extreme weather events or before any of the impacts that we see from climate, uh, climate change and climate catastrophe that we're living in, that these communities uh, will be most in need in any kind of aftermath or in any kind of preparedness moment, mitigation, adaptation. So we are talking about communities, poor and working class folks, people living with disabilities, people who have severe health conditions, the elderly, migrants, people who are caring for others, 
and LGBTQI plus people, uh, we have to think about the ways that we need a, a, a clear plan and policy that accounts for these differences. You know, if you were already experiencing a crisis before a crisis, then that is only going to be multiplied. Uh, this is how disasters work. They are not a great equalizer. And in fact, they unearth and exacerbate existing inequalities and vulnerabilities. And the most vulnerable are made more vulnerable. And so we must have climate policies that are accounting for these differences and, uh, and are attentive to the needs of a diverse group of people. So <laughs> why is the Truth Me Tool campaign important to the Caribbean? We need campaigns like Truth Be Told. We need more media engagement. We need more attention. We need more activism. Uh, we need a growing climate and intersectional approach to our most pressing issues. We need that in our region more than ever because we are living in it. We are living in climate crisis. We are on the front lines of climate catastrophe. Our region, much like the Pacific and other coast, coastal areas that are low-lying, that are experiencing not only sea level rise, but the impacts and the destruction of our ecosystems, we are in it. And I think that for us in this in this region, we've been experiencing it for so long and we have such little power when it comes to the global crisis that we're all experiencing that it can feel really helpless. I think that we can feel uh, that there's not much we can do. And so that's why we need campaigns like this. We need more awareness. I think we need more education, more climate education more understanding of these intersections that we've been talking about today. We need more public awareness uh, around how do we talk about these issues because it can feel so overwhelming and it can feel beyond us. And so campaigns like this, helping to raise our consciousness, helping us to bring different kinds of activists uh, into conversation with each other to spread awareness, uh, that is what's important about campaigns like this. And we need to shift and change the public language around it. A lot of the environmental uh, and climate language and especially the stuff that's really science-based might feel, you know, uh, it's inaccessible or it's not accessible to the public. So we need that breaking down. We need uh, to have more expansive conversations so we can shift and gain understanding. You know, I also think that all human rights, social justice, and environmental justice organizations also need to come together because we have to cross, we have to work on these cross collaborations. Our movements have to be intersectional. They have to be feminist. They have to be aware of our differences and we have to be able to build alliances across our differences. And I think that's what's really important about campaigns that show and reveal both climate and gender justice. We need it now more than ever, and I would add sexual justice into the mix uh, and class justice because these are that intersectional conversation, that intersectional movement building is what we need. And we have to be really wary of the ways sometimes our movements are pitted against each other. And so we have to stand up. We have to stand up for both climate and gender justice and all the intersecting forms 
of, of cross social and environmental justice, which I often use in my work to try to show that, you know, how, uh, how those, all of these movements are connected. So, yes. You know, we are also at a point where there, our future is really determined on our ability to organize around climate justice. So our sustainability, our ability to live in the future, we have to think about the climate. And so when any movement, any social movement we're a part of, we should be integrating climate as a part of our work. And that's why uh, in my work with LGBTQI organizing and, you know, any kind of work on gender and sexual justice and access to rights, we have to also be thinking about the environment, our relationship to uh, the communities in which we live. That is a fundamental part of our organizing. And that is why uh, we need to fuel our movements with uh, the passion and the demand uh, for justice. And it also means that, you know, not only are our movements, uh, you know, intersectional, but they're also and an cross uh, cross collaborations, uh, you know, coalition building, but it's also intergenerational. And that's what I think is important about this campaign, too, that we are speaking across issues and we are also acknowledging the Caribbean's unique position, right? Our historical, the legacies of colonialism that still impact us and actually make it, you know, really difficult for us to have the kinds of power, uh, you know, to, to transform. Uh, that's why we need our voices now more than ever. We need our movements to be fueled by the passion and the dedication that so many that I see across so many uh, of our of our gender and climate justice organizations and projects. Uh, this is what we need. We need more, uh, more activism and more outrage. I think we need more climate outrage. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Climate Conscious Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at theclimateconscious at gmail.com or simply leave a review on your favorite app. Remember to follow The Climate Conscious on all social media platforms. See you next week.